Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Dan Cobb here from the Neighborhood Sports Writer. I am your host this evening for this edition of Locked On Blazers. Uh, Eric Gunderson and I were supposed to be doing this podcast together, but he ended up not being able to make it, so I am doing it solo. We will have a little bit of a rundown of things going on. The Blazers are obviously on a three-game win streak as we record this. Yusuf Nurkic has been playing great. And uh, we had a weird postponed game in Minnesota the other night. The uh, Trailblazers play in Thursday uh, in Philadelphia at 7 o'clock Eastern. We have some questions from you guys coming up later in the show from Twitter. Thanks, guys, for sending those in. So let's get into it. I think, obviously, the topic... Gunderson did a whole podcast. Everybody's done a whole podcast about this. We did a whole podcast on uh, my podcast, which is between me and you, uh, my buddy Yuchi, about Nurkic last week. Uh, you know, obviously, Casey and Joe talked about it on their podcast. Gunderson's talked about it on this podcast at length. Yusuf Nurkic playing great, playing absolutely great. Um you know, he had a good game in Oklahoma City. Obviously, that's a really a signature win for the Trailblazers and important that uh, Nurkic was an important part of that, especially down the stretch, obviously. Uh, he finished that game with, uh, he went 5 of 12 from the field. He was 7 of 8 from the free throw line, which, well, make a note of that. We're going to talk about the free throw line here in a second with Yusuf Nurkic. Um, he had 8 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, uh, and, you know, 17 points. So he was minus 21, but do you think the Blazers would have won that game without him? Probably not. Me too. So, uh, you know, really interesting, I think, thing going on for Nurkic, mostly because his splits between the Nuggets and the Blazers just kind of don't make sense. I was looking at him today for an upcoming feature on uh, where I write, which is NBCSports.com slash NBA, Pro Basketball Talk. Uh, I'll have a feature, a video feature out on Nurkic next week, so take a look out for that. But, uh, you know, let's just read out some stats that are kind of crazy. Okay, we'll start with basic stats. For the season with the Nuggets this year, Eight points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 50% field goal shooting, 1.8 turnovers. Okay? This year with the Blazers, which is like a handful of games, 14.9 points a game. Okay? That's up from eight. 8.1 rebounds a game. That's up from 5.8. Four assists. That's up from 1.3. 55% field goal shooting, 3.3 turnovers. His offensive rating is now a plus, his net rating is a plus three, 109 offensive rating, which is really good considering his offensive rating in Denver this year, 98. That's Think about that for a second. There's a difference of 11 between those two numbers. That's crazy. His assist numbers per 100 possessions, obviously up huge, 3.5 to 6.8. His true shooting percentage up Nine percentage points. That's great. His assist percentage or his assist rate has doubled, doubled from 11% to 22%. Think about that for a second. So Nurkic is scoring more often. 
He's shooting better from the field. He's passing better, and his passing is creating chances for his teammates. All while his usage rate has essentially stayed the same, and his turnover percentage has essentially stayed the same. I think that one's an important one because, you know, turnover percent his his turnovers per game have gone up, but that's because I think of. I think it's easy. Gunderson has said that on Twitter. I think a lot of people have is that he maybe plays a little bit sloppy. I still think that's true, but in terms of his percentage of how many times you know per 100 possessions that he actually does turn the ball over, not different from normal. So we're not seeing. We're not essentially what I'm saying is I don't think we're necessarily seeing an increase in his offensive uh, sort of gusto because he's playing with a new team, but also more mistakes. He's making the same amount of mistakes, but he's playing better on offense. One of the big things that I have noticed. But I think it's going to be, be an interesting thing to look into as I research this video for you guys is his free throw shooting. It doesn't make any sense. I tweeted it out earlier, but Nurkic is shooting 25% better from the free throw line this year with Portland than he was with Denver all year. 25%. That's ridiculous. 25%? 25%. That's crazy. And it took him from a 50% free throw shooter, and he's a career 59% free throw shooter, by the way, to a 75% free throw shooter. That is huge. And it's especially huge because of the rate at which he gets to the line. And that's that's a really important factor. As I said, we were going to talk about free throws earlier, but that's an important factor about why his offensive rating has gone up. He's scoring more points. Good. Shooting better. Good. But... The efficiency at which you can get to the line, the rate at which you can get to the line, and if you're efficient once you get there, that makes you an incredibly valuable offensive player. Okay? So, looking at it now, you have Nurkic with a free throw percentage of 74.3%, up from 50%, essentially. His free throw rate went up by 11 percentage points. So he's going down low, he's banging, he's drawing fouls, and then he's shooting them at a clip that is not normal for him or for for his for for the season or for his career. That is huge. That is huge. I was joking about how, you know, on Twitter I was joking about how that's uh, that's all Damien's leadership, you know. All these stories about Damien really bringing him into the fold. So that's a joke of course, but it's important. I think it's important, one, because it's, it's it's great news for Blazers fan, but also I think it's something to watch out for. I think I don't want to be too much of a downer or anything, but I think there's some there should, should be some sort of trepidation about whether or not this is sustainable. Sustainable over the course of the season, sustainable over the course of the next two or three seasons, and maybe that's already been talked about a little bit, but if you're playing out of your mind on a new team, sometimes we see this when if coaches get fired and the team plays better, see this when a star gets traded and the team plays better. I don't know. I'm not saying that's what's happening with Nurkic, but some of his key indicators are sort of off. Now, the hmm, the, the, the caveat to that is, I think people don't realize this, is that Mason Plumley had the same thing coming to Portland. Now, I'll look it up here while I'm talking, but... Mason, people don't realize that Mason Plumlee, while he was a um, a promising young prospect, people don't realize how young he is, a promising young prospect when he came from Brooklyn, and certainly useful behind uh, uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, Mason Plumlee was 
not necessarily the passer everyone thought he was coming into um you know Portland they thought he was a pretty good passer but what was Mason Plumley the third most important player on the Trailblazers this season before Nurkic before he got traded I mean honestly I mean Alan Crabb did not show up well until Damien's injury um Evan Turner took 40 something games to figure it out maybe less than that 30 something but still you know Mo Harkless played really well but you know, not not necessarily, not better than Mason, especially on offense. So, you know, Mason really was an important part of the offense. And I don't think nobody thought he was going to be that kind of guy and such a an obviously crucial part of of the offense. You know, so just for an example, Mason Plumley's last assist percentage, last assist percentage his last year in Brooklyn seven percent. Year before that, his rookie year eight percent. Do you want to know what it was when he left Portland? 21.4%. That's the number of uh, possessions that he, uh, uh, a player assisted on while he was on the floor. Quarter, or sorry, a fifth. He assisted on a fifth. He went from less than a less than tenth to a fifth. That's crazy. Nobody ever thought Mason Plum was going to be that good a passer. Was it that he was a full-time starter? Was it that Terry Stotts is a good offensive coach? Was it he's playing with excellent offensive guards, good cutters, good shooters? I think all those things, probably. And what still remains in Portland for Nurkic? All of those things. So, if my if I'm saying, maybe on one side, that we have to be, be a little bit cautious about Nurkic and what he's uh, bringing to the table, especially so early, I would also say, to play devil's advocate back on, probably on the, the excited fan side, is that it's entirely possible he keeps us up because what what was Nurkic's sort of problem in Denver? A little lackadaisical, didn't want to be didn't want to be on the fourth. Thought like he was overshadowed by Jokic. And what's happening now? He's probably going to be the starting center from here on out. So if he gets what he wants, is he going to maintain that? And if he's in a good system with good players like Damian CJ, Terry Stotts' high passing offense, which you know Nurkic is good from the high post. Maybe it's sustainable or, or sustainable. So, okay, let's say he takes a 10% step back in some of his statistics. Are you ready to have that guy as your starting center 10% worse than he is now? I am. Pretty good. So, I think there's real reason to be excited. One, because, um, you know, he, he has been a jolt. The Blazer games have been fun to watch lately. And <laughs> let's talk about that in a second. But the Blazer games have been fun to watch. And, you know... There's real there's real reason behind the numbers, behind the, the jump numbers, to think that he could be good long-term. But man, I don't know about you. I said on this podcast, I believe, another time I was uh, doing this podcast solo, but man, I wouldn't say Blazer games were a drag. It is my job to watch basketball for a living, after all. But they were certainly on, and that's about as much as I could say about them. I was listening to Joe and Casey's podcast today. They said the the feeling around the team is that for a while before Nurkic showed up, that they kind of just, the air around them was that they kind of felt like that's who they were. Kind of a bad team. Not that good. Playing pretty uh, pretty st- flat. Flat is what Joe said. I think that's a good way. That's what I felt like too. They were just, they were predictable, man. You knew, especially if you watch them every night, you knew it was going to happen. And if you have scouting tape on them, you knew it was going to happen. My buddy Yuchi said, 
we all expect them to lose the the end of the the end of that game was a close close game against OKC. We we thought they were going to lose. Come on, who didn't think they were going to? They always let it slip away at the end. They're not good finishers. And what happened? Finished, finished. Exciting, fun. Maybe beat the MVP. Who scored a career high? Executed a good game plan on defense. Made sure his assist didn't count for three pointers. That kind of stuff. So, if anything else, I'm gonna. If they don't, I don't see a reason to make the eight seed. I don't. I don't. I don't have an interest in watching them get destroyed by the Warriors. I don't. I'm also not a person who says they need to tank because, let's just be honest. Just, just, just Google do NBA teams tank. Come on. Coaches can maybe make that decision if you already have bad teams, but players don't give up. All right. So you can't say they should tank because that's not how it works. Or it's, that's an oversimplification of an aspect of how it could work. But I'm just saying that no matter what, the race for the eighth seed and the last part of the season, the last 20 games, are at least going to be interesting. I'm going to want to watch them. I'm going to want to plan time on my off days to watch them. That's great news. <laughs> if you're a Blazers fan, that's great news because, man, has it been painful to watch at certain points of the season. So I'm excited. You should feel excited about Nurkic. You should feel excited about the, where the Blazers are going. And, uh, hey, Neil O'Shea, who maybe people were a little bit down on when he gave $140 million to Crab and Turner. Feeling a little better about him. Feeling a little better about his three picks. Man, he got – and it's just hitting me again. He got – now he has three first-round picks and Nurkic. He got a pick and Nurkic out of Mason Plumley. <sighs> That's crazy. I mean – Give him an extension? I don't know, man. God, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, you're talking about real deals, real dealers. That's a real deal, man. Because you weren't going to do anything with Mason. And I was not. I We had to have discussions about signing him long term. I had discussions with, you know, Kevin Pelton here in Seattle and stuff. Like we, were, we were talking about, like, well, what else? You know, Tim Bontemps was in town. What else are you going to do? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know it was so bleak. I didn't know people outside of the, the, the Blazer Dome felt that Plumlee was the only option. It's like, oh, nice guy. Good offensive basketball player. Definitely a rotation guy. I guess a starter in the NBA since there's 30 teams, but not a starter on a team you have with Damian CJ hoping to be a, a Western Conference Finals team. Nope. So I cannot believe he got Nurkic and the pick out of that. We'll see what he does with it come draft day. So you guys should be excited. Obviously, the Trailblazers came up with a win uh, 126-121 against the Thunder on Tuesday. Uh, they play Philadelphia on Thursday. Like I said at the top of the show, we will get now to your questions on Twitter. I think it is important because you guys sent them in. Number one question, not a question, but I think it's important to say happy birthday to Corbina, Mr. Corbin Smith, who turns, hmm, I'm going I'm to guess how old Corbin is today. I'm going to guess Corbin and I are the exact same age. Ooh, is he a year younger than me? Or is he just turning 29? Ooh, it's, it's tough. My girlfriend is extremely good at this, by the way. I don't know why, but it's like some weird super superpower she has where she can guess. Mostly it's celebrities, obviously, but like we were talking about, you know, I don't know, Kirsten Dunst or something the other night. You know, it's, it's always it's always something. And I'll be like, oh, you know, what? Do you, how old do you think they are? And she, I'm not kidding. She picks it within eight months of how old they are. It's ridiculous. Some kind of weird memory thing. Anyways, 
that aside, if she was here, she could pick how, how old Corbin is. But Corbin, happy, um, I'm going to say, 27th birthday. Happy 27th birthday. No, happy 28th birthday, Corbin. All right. It counts now. It's on the podcast. Let's get into some questions, some real questions. Uh, let's see here. Um, Brandon Goldner wants to know, the Blazers have three first-round picks we just talked about, thanks to the Nurkic Mason Plumlee trade. How many of those do you think are on the Blazers roster next year? Well, as 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 I think uh, a Stan Van Gundyism or something like that is, uh, picks can't play basketball. You know they can't shoot, so um, it's tough. I think we had this discussion with uh, at the end of our podcast the other day with Yuchi Main, a couple well, a Nurkish podcast was essentially it was that's what the question I posed because you could go and there's like you know what five different options or something all the way from trade all three to keep all three and draft them and in between it's you know trade two of them get a get a player uh trade two of them with a player get back a big player trade all three of them in a player get back a huge player uh you know what are you going to do with them so i think realistically the blazers end up with one of those players on their team i think they trade two of them because i think that uh I think the Blazers are going to find themselves, especially if Nurkic plays out the rest of the season and keeps, uh, you know, sort of maintains where he's at, or like I said, maybe dips down about 10%, but plays well enough to be a good starter on this team. And this team finishes strong, and they either, uh, you know, let's say they let's say they, they, they miss the 8 seed by a game or they grab it. One of those two things, right? They are going to be in the same position the Blazers sort of found themselves in when they traded, say, for Aaron Aflalo, right? It was like, oh, oh my God, we're good. Uh, we got to do something. But this time you have more more time, more planning, and obviously a lot more asset buildup. I mean, Neil O'Shea's whole thing about signing Turner and Crab and uh, Myers and um, Mo is asset buildup. So this is going to be a team that's going to be traded anyways. So I think that uh, it is, is likely that they trade – one or two of those guys with one or two of those picks, either in one trade or in two trades. I feel like the Blazers are on the cusp of, and, and this 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 depends on whether or not it's available. That's always the caveat. But I, I feel like this is this is the trade that the Blazers make a big trade, not just a trade for Rob, Rob, Jeff Withy for Robin Lopez trade, which is sneaky. Which I mean, could come up with that. Neil's good at that. I mean, Lopez Nurkic, dang dude. I feel like he's he's going to come up with something big this time. Because one, that's the only way you're going to get him in Portland, other than drafting somebody. And I don't think the Blazers' picks are ever going to end up as high as... They're not going to get Fulcher Ball. You know, uh, right now they're slated to be like eighth or something like that. Uh, you know, who are you getting at there? I think they would rather trade out of that. So, are there enough teams who want to trade into that? Who knows? Or could be a facilitator. Blazers could be a facilitator with these picks too. They could get rid of, they could send somebody like Myers and that eight pick as part of a trade where he goes somewhere, somebody goes from that team to the next team, somewhere from the next team comes to Portland, and that's like the third piece. Think of think of like uh, somebody in like the Nick Batum, West Matthews range. Somebody that's like a really good player, a $10 million plus player, but not necessarily like, you're not trading for Bogey or someone that's like, you know, mega elite talent, not a top 50 player, right? That's where I think they could end up with this. That's, I don't know. I, I feel like it should be big, but I feel like that second level down, that, that's that's more realistic, and, and that's the place what the Blazers need. If, if their whole plan is to keep CJ, 
You need a number three guy. You don't need another number two guy. You don't need another number one guy. You need a three guy. You need that stratification. You need one, two, and three in this league. And mid-small market teams like this, they don't get two ones. They don't end up like Miami. They end up one, two, three. So that, that's where I'm thinking they go with it. That, that's my pick. Trading, I'd say one is left on the roster. Two, two others go. One facilitates a trade or two gets go. I mean, if, if, both, if two of those first-round picks go, then you're going on a pretty big player back. But I think, it's more likely, I think it's more likely that he actually builds and rounds the roster out. So it could be two trades where the two highest, they keep the bottom one, and they, they trade the two higher picks with two of their current roster players, and that brings back two building block players. That's where I feel like possible. Sport Takes wants to know, is a burrito a sandwich? No, get here. Mango as a pizza topping could be good. I, th- I saw jackfruit on pizza the other day. Jackfruit. It's like Filipino pineapple. Only probably better. Extremely good. Mango. I feel like it could work, to be honest. I am a pepperoni on pizza guy. If you are not, please... um. Uh, hmm, what do I say that's not mean? I'm sorry that your life has gone so wrong. That's what I have to say about it. It's so good. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Okay. Next question, away from mango toppings. Is the play with Nurkic sustainable? Adam wants to know this. Is the play with Nurkic sustainable? Should we worry about the effort issues in Denver? No. What kind of leader did you have in Denver that you have in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? And honestly, guys like Myers Leonard's been is the second longest tenured Blazer. I think Evan Turner is a character guy, and and not only a character guy, but like you know, Evan Turner is like is a you know a comedy guy in in the locker room. So if you have like it can't it's not always it doesn't always have to be a you don't have to have a team full of Damians. You know, you need a team that also has Evan Turner's on it, goofy dudes being funny. That's that's part of being a, a crew together. I think so. Do I think it's sustainable? Like I said, I, I I don't know. I think that's hard to tell. I think there are a lot of good indicators that say that it very well could be because it solved a lot of his problems. And it seems like Nurkic wants to be here. It seems like he's liking it. He seems like he likes the guys. It feels like, you know, if you've ever been a part of a group of strong leadership, you, you end up sort of a lot of your own personal complaints get pushed away. Your own personal complaints aren't amplified because they're not in a vacuum anymore. You're part of a group and you don't have room for that amplification. I mean, I'm not talking about me, obviously. I complain all the time, but Jason wants to know what kind of player is the best long-term fit at power forward on a Dame CJ Nurk team? Aminu, and who would it be if you could choose? Oh, man. I I don't know, man. I mean, (laughs) Dylan Dylan is saying it's Noah Vonley. I'm not sure about that. Aminu, I feel like this is where I really have my divide personally as a writer between the deep Sloan sports analytics modeling community uh, and my own uh, understanding of advanced statistics and what I see with my eyes. Because I feel like I end up talking on podcasts a lot about more about almost like being against some advanced stuff or sounding like I am because I, I watched every freaking minute, as I'm sure you guys do, of this team. And so I feel like I have a good indicator of – because there really is a uh, – a gap between numbers 
in real life. There is. And not in any stupid, hot, takey, nonsense way either, right? There is. Aminu, I think, has been poor enough on the offensive end of the floor, especially shooting threes, that he has really clogged up um, some stuff for the Blazers. Now, has it led to them losing all the time? No, that's like not that's not the number one thing. But I'm saying, like, the question here is essentially who is the best fit? If you're going for the best guy on the team, I still think it's Aminu. Sure. Because, you know, Olshea says they have a model that says they're a 50-plus win team or some nonsense like that with him at four. That's fine. I'm cool with that. I, I don't... I don't have a model, and I don't have all the data the Blazers analytics team has. So that's fine. Let's go with that. Because Aminu is definitely still the better player. He's a better player than Vonley. He's a better player than Myers. Come on. He is. But long term, do I think Aminu is, like, the guy? I, I don't know. And that's also a question we have to raise, too. Like, if you want to think long term, is like, what, what is the team doing in the next five years? Aminu, has Aminu played better than his contract? Because his contract was thought of as a steal before he ever played a minute. It's like 8 or $9 million a year, right? Do we think in this new CBA he's going to get more money? Probably, absolutely, right? Because Aminu is, I mean, he's been he's been useful for the Blazers, obviously, and he's 26, so he's definitely getting paid. But his offensive rating this year is 99. He's down six points, and he has the highest defensive rating of his entire career. But then again, you know, Blazers are a bad defensive team, so he is shooting. 32.7% from three-point range. Now, that's better than most. That's better than every other season of his career, save for last year where he shot 36%. But again, remember, 36% league average. And I think if you don't have another shooting big, and this is why I didn't like Mason Plumlee on this team, is if you don't have anybody else to pass to who can't shoot a dang jumper, run out on CJ. Run out on Damian. You have to run out on... You can clog the paint. You have to guard Mason Plumlee at the free throw line. You have to guard Aminu at the three-point in, in the corner. Who cares? Just disrespect him. But Nurkic can have a 17-footer now. That's different. Maybe that makes Aminu more valuable. Maybe that gives him more time. Aminu seems to have been shooting better lately. The shot seems to have less of a hitch in it. That's why it looks like to me. Less of a hitch right at the top of his jump. Anyways. I think Aminu's still the answer. That's, that's, that's kind of a cop-out, but if we're going with the guys in the team realistic. I'm not just pulling some player out of thin air. Although 20,000 thorns wants me to assume for a moment that Nurk is the center of the future. Who do I want for the rest of the starting roster? Is that saying from the Blazers or just in general? I'm assuming for the roster. I think Evan Turner is a backup. I think he's figured that role out better for the Blazers than I thought he would. And, and Harkless for, um, you know, it's not like he's taken the huge jump. I think a lot of people maybe sort of, you know, from a misinformed perspective wanted him to, but taken that sort of that leadership jump in terms of being a real huge score. Again, he, you know, he's scoring 10.7 points a game. That's more than he was before. He's shooting 36% from the, from, um, from three point range, which is good, good enough, better than a that's who I want out there. Switchable. The Blazers like to switch it a lot this year. Really versatile. I think it works. I think he's a good defender. I think he's a smart player. 
So I think Aminu is my three. Dame, CJ, Aminu. Mo, Nurk. That's what I got. Now, do I think that's that's the the Western Conference Finals team you're looking for? Probably not. I don't. I, I go back to this a lot, actually. I, I try not to think about it too much, but I do every day because I have those coasters the Blazers gave out a while ago. And it's the coasters with Damian, Wesley, Nick, LaMarcus, Robin Lopez. How good is that team? Think about those guys right now, separate from however you feel like they mesh together on the Blazers, separate from, you know, maybe Nick not feeling like he had the ball enough and he's playing better in Charlotte now. But think about those guys in that team. Now think about comparing Dame, CJ, Mo, Aminu, Nurk versus that team. Do you think they're anywhere close as good? No. Mm-mm. Wes Matthews at his absolute best. A place he'll probably never be again. LaMarcus Aldridge, all-star. Robin Lopez, I mean, one of the most crucial centers in NBA history, probably, to be perfectly honest. Plays a bad center history, so I'm, that's why I'm saying that. But, Dude, that team was good. Do I think this Blazers team is, even in, let's say they developed together another year, as good as that team? No, I don't. It's nice to say that Aminu and Harkless are super young, but there has to be a really big jump for those guys. Not to say it doesn't happen. I mean, I think Nick Batum wasn't the player that he is now for a very long time in Portland. A lot of capital goes into that. Kind of struck gold, Wes. Struck gold, Robin. So, I don't know. That's that's the team as I see it in terms of um, what I think the, the starting roster should be. I think Evan Turner figured it out. He's a better... Um, backup he he works better that he he certainly has take teams have not blitzed Damian and CJ to the credit of needing to have um you know Evan Turner there so th- that has worked a little bit so I'll say he's I'll say he's a bench player <laughs> Dylan wants to know is uh Vonley Nurkic not the ultimate front court pairing Vonley makes Nurk look like a star that's just mean Vonley is an extremely long-term project. Yeah, let's talk about this for a second, because I, I talked about this with my friend Yuchi, but it's an interesting thing. The Blazers have a lot of it. Nick, although Nick sort of turned out. Travis Outlaw is one, right? Vonley, but Vonley might be one. Blazers have a lot of... Will Barton is one, scoring 20-something a night in Denver. But it's interesting, the the development of, of players in the NBA, because they have this this thing where they... You have to invest all this capital for a player, but then other things either it takes long, a long time, like longer than you want, like deep into their second contract. Ugh. Maybe you don't have time for that. You don't have time to develop a guy for seven years, you know? A lot of teams don't. A lot of teams hope they don't. They make the play to be playoffs. They don't have to develop guys for that long. But it's interesting teams have to put in that capital for that time and don't ever see it pay off a lot of times. Vonley might be one of those guys. He's like, what, 21 or something? But I don't know. I mean, he's 21, but he's so dang raw. Just, I, we talked about it earlier this year in this podcast. Saw some nice things from him in summer league preseason. Sorry, preseason, but just raw. I mean, in terms of if you want to be him, like, it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to th- see him seeing where he is now, lining up with, um, you know, sort of this this zenith of Damian and CJ's prime. Because uh, if we're not there yet, we are 
um, we are fast approaching it. We're right next to it. Dame's 26. Not everyone is Chris Paul. So think, think about it this way. Damien has four years before he's 30, and that's like a very significant point in an NBA player's life. Now, obviously you can play well into your 30s, but this crazy, explosive, drive-by-everybody thing, that doesn't stay with a lot of guards. Their game has to change. You got to start shooting. I mean, Damien already shoots threes, but, you know, Jason Kidd started shooting threes when he couldn't go around people, you know? So what does Damien do when he can't go around people anymore? I don't know. It's, it's a long way off in basketball years. It's, 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 half, it's more than half a decade off, right? Like, it's, it's a long ways out. But does Vonley, who's so raw at 20, if he's good at 25, Damien's 31. And do we think he's all-star level good? Do we think he's starting four level good in five years? I don't know. Are the, again, what we were just talking about before this, is, is are the Blazers going to put that much development capital into him? We're going to keep Vonley for, again, seven years or something to develop him? I don't know, man. I don't know. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Finally, David wants to know, will CJ ever have a signature shoe made for him by Nike? I doubt it myself. Signature is a, is a, is a it's, it's tricky to see what you mean on that. Because, say, you know, a lot of guys get uh, what's called PE or player edition models. Or they get, I don't know what the term is for it. I actually need to look it up. I've been wondering this for a while, but they get essentially shoes that are theirs. They are sort of, uh, you know, it's not the it's not the Harden, um, but like, you know, Harden before he got his first shoe for Nike, or sorry, first shoe for Adidas, when he was at Nike, his, his shoe was the, like it was called the Zoom Run the One or something. Um, I actually looked a lot like, I think it looked a lot like his signature shoe at Adidas, but but it wasn't called the Harden. But that is, everybody knows, if you're like a sneakerhead or a basketball community guy, you know that that's Harden's shoe. Same thing, I, Paul George had, Paul George was, the Hyper was Paul George, or not the Hyper Rev, what? Uh, uh, Kyrie Irving's shoe, before he had the Kyrie, Kyrie the first Hi- Hyper Rev, right, with like the weird sock thing, that was the Kyrie. That was the first Kyrie, right? So will CJ ever get one of those? I think that's entirely possible. I think he does. I think he does at some point in time get a uh, an athlete sponsored shoe. Let's call it. But will he get a signature shoe, dude? It's just it's not the '90s anymore. It's not the it's not the early 2000s. Not every single dude has a shoe. Plus, every every guy is signed with you know. Every guy is signed with Nike or Adidas. Plus, what? Who is Reebok owned by anymore? You know, Nike or Adidas? Is it vice versa? No, 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 no. Reebok is owned by Nike or Adidas. In any case, but you know what I mean? Like they're not signing guys to that anymore. So I would say it's unlikely. I would say it's unlikely that CJ ever gets a shoe of his own. But I think he will at some point in time just because of proximity and he plays so well and he's he's a premier athlete, you know, in Portland. He's gonna get he's gonna get one of those ones that's like a very um an athlete sponsored shoe. So Let's see here. Last question, Mike wants to know. Thanks, Mike, for the for the question. Should the Blazers retire Nurkic's number and change the name of the team to the Nurkic's or the Nurks, maybe? Yeah, I think they should actually uh, encase Nurkic in carbonite and then put him outside as like a statue, a monument to himself 
outside of the motor right now. You know, like you know how there's no uh, there's no eye in the Rip City thing that's out front by the fountain. Make Nurkic encase in carbonite the eye. Who wouldn't want to see that? You go in there. A lot of people might dress like Princess Leia. You know, Zorba. What's the what was Princess Leia's? Uh, um, bounty hunter name. You know, you you could bring that costume there. Yeah, encased in carbonite. I think that's a good idea. It's a good idea. Bausch. Why was I so far off? Zorba. Bausch. Or Bush. Full disclosure, I've read that name a million times reading Star Wars Extended Universe books, but I I don't remember. Like, you never hear it said, so. Bring your Boosh costume. Yusuf Nurkic will be outside of the Moda Center in case in Carbonite for you. When you get back from watching the Blazers take on the Philadelphia 76ers, Thursday, March 9th at 7 p.m., the Blazers are on a three-game win streak. They play again on a road trip. On Saturday versus Washington at 7 p.m. Again, Pacific time. They come back home for a woo, woo, a long stretch. This is going to be an important stretch for the Blazers. After that, they play Sunday, Phoenix, 6 p.m. Tuesday, New Orleans, uh, 8 p.m. No, no, 5 p.m. our time. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm reading the schedule wrong. They are home against Philadelphia. So have a good time at the Moda. You go check it out. You'll see, you know, you'll see Yusuf Nurkic and Case and Carbonite. Maybe they'll unfreeze him for the game. He'll drop like, you know, 18 and 12. Um, they play at home at Washington on Saturday at 7 p.m. And then they go on a one, two, three, four, five game road streak. Ugh. Gross. Phoenix, New Orleans, San Antonio, Atlanta, Miami. Tough games. There are one, two, three. Three playoff teams uh, in New Orleans if they get a night where Boogie doesn't get ejected and they figure it out together. Ugh. Maybe a tough one. But thanks for tuning in, you guys. Gunderson will be back. I will be back, of course, on this podcast. If you want to tune in to me on YouTube, you can find me at Dane, D-A-N-E, Dane, not Dan, on YouTube. Find me on Twitter at Dane Carbaugh and uh, over at uh, NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk with NBCSports.com slash NBA. Remember to rate this podcast, subscribe on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher, Audio Boom. I don't know what else. You can just check us out. But uh, thanks for listening, you guys, and uh, see you guys next time out. Uh, major thanks to Dan Carbaugh for uh, stepping in there. It's Eric Garcia Gutterson here. We weren't able to make the podcast happen together today. Uh, some things came up on my end, but Dane took over uh, and, and did a great job. So I really hope you enjoyed uh, Dane hosting the podcast. Uh, and and very soon we will uh, make sure that we get it together and that we are uh, doing a podcast together because it has been a little bit since we've done one. And we are long overdue for one. But Dane, as a co-host, steps in from time to time. And uh, it's awesome. And he gives a great perspective. Definitely check his stuff out out on YouTube, Dane Not Dan. And also uh, on NBC's uh, Pro Basketball Talk. Also, 
just a quick standings update I wanted to throw in here. The reason why I'm talking to you after Dane just did, uh, just wanted a quick standings update because the Denver Nuggets lost tonight at home to the Washington Wizards. The Wizards uh, were are just a really good team, and the Thunder, or excuse me, the Nuggets did not have Jokic, uh, who is their best player. So uh, it was a uh, Without without Jokic, it's pretty tough for them to win, and and they were kind of close at the end. They have they made some plays down the stretch to kind of try and you know make it interesting, but uh, the Wizards held on, and uh, yeah. So Portland is now only one game behind the Nuggets for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The Dallas Mavericks are a game and a half behind the Nuggets and a half game behind Portland. They are also on a three game winning streak. Uh, just like the Blazers are. And Portland plays tomorrow against Philadelphia 76ers at home at the Moda Center. Nurkic fever, uh, Nurkalepsy. I don't know, you know, so many so many illnesses with Nurk right now that uh, he's infecting uh, Blazers fans. But he will be uh, at the Moda Center tomorrow when the Blazers face the Sixers. And I'm sure he will ha- get a great reception so thanks again to Dane Carver for hosting the Blazers are only a game behind the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference for the eighth seed and they face Philadelphia tomorrow we'll be back after that game and until then we'll see you next time here on Lockdown Blazers part of the Lockdown Podcast Network please subscribe anywhere you can get the podcast and we'll catch you very very soon It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.